0: Everyone, uh, this is Mark Fernandes from Survivor to Thriver, uh, episode 32, part the part two. So, welcome back. Uh, it's the first time we've done this. We're really excited to have Dana back on um, and Eric. Uh, I'm in parts unknown. Welcome uh, to the inner workings of a gallery. I'm in the back office. Uh, as many of you have heard or listened before, I, I, I work a couple of different jobs just to you know keep life interesting. Um, so we're really here to focus on some stuff that Dana brought up, um, within that kind of fell out of her own story, but it is really turned into her professional life. And we're really interested in the treatments and the care that she's offering to others. And that's really the focus of this part. So if you did not listen to part one, you may want to go back uh, and listen to it. Um, because Dana's awesome and that's why she's on for two episodes. But if you really are more focused on hearing what Dana's doing from the treatment, I would suggest to go back at least to listen to the first few minutes so you get her intro, bio, all that stuff, and the usual Eric DeRosa Mark Fernandes repartee. Because today, part two, we're just firing into it. So Dana, hello. How are we today?
1: Hello. I'm here. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to talk about, to dive into the work I do and talk more about being an empath and how that might help other people.
0: So I, I think, and and Eric, please chime in if uh, if you think otherwise, but I think a great place to start here would be to look at how these two things fit together, right? And that can kind of sort of devolve, evolve, however it does. But You know, obviously when I hear a Reiki healer, an energy healer, somebody who's literally a conduit for reorganizing someone's energy, and I hear they're an empath, I hear two things. First thing, I was like, oh, of course, that's a natural sort of symbiosis. The other thing I think of is that sounds difficult to manage (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: at the same time. Yeah, and um, it's definitely a learning process like I am still learning today. I learn so much every day when I work with clients, I, they teach me things, you know, I'm here as their holistic healing guide, but they also teach me as well. And it is learning how to, to kind of manage that. And you have to first figure out how energy works within yourself. And that's really what my whole process is all about. So a holistic healing guide that's the title i've given myself because some people might call me like a holistic health coach i resonate more with the word guide because you are your own healer i cannot fix you i cannot make you heal i cannot make you love yourself you have to take an active part in your own healing but what i can do is i can kind of guide you along the way i can give you I can point you in the right direction. I can give you things to work on. I can help you in that aspect, and that's essentially the work that I do. So, when you kind of take that off of yourself, saying, "I am not this all-knowing guru. I am not this, you know, wise master. I mean, I'm I am wise, <laughs> but I'm not levitating <laughs> in a well, perfect I mean- look." <laughs>
0: I guess I guess that's sort of like the dance right because you know when we hear healing guide guru you know our minds go a lot of places like you know we've yeah. got Gandalf the gray we've got you know Yoda floating yeah. you know all <laughs> these things but but the fact of the matter is is you are you know for lack of a better term selling an expertise right you mm-hmm. you do have a vast array of knowledge and and what I find so interesting um, especially in in for you is is having this background essentially, in Western medicine, Uh coupled with some of this knowledge from Eastern medicine sort of put together, to me, I'm like, all right, this might be the future of like what healthcare could look like. And and especially Mm -hmm. thinking about it selfishly, because this is what we do from the mental health perspective because we don't seem to have figured out some of those connections specifically Mm -hmm. in Western healthcare.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Western healthcare is so amazing at acute, injuries and acute diseases, illnesses, right? They're so good at that. But when it comes to the chronic long-term conditions, there's, there's just a big chunk missing. There's, there's just a, a, a lack of going in deeper. There's a lack of that emotional mental connection. Every physical disease has a mental emotional component that also needs to be healed with it. To, in order to be truly healed, all of you has to be healed. Not just you know one, you know, not just a body part, like your whole self, your body, your mind, your spirit, it all needs to be healed. So yeah, it is absolutely all connected. And I love what you said is I, I see that as well as this is the future. This is where we're mo- moving towards. This is what people are demanding. People are starting to really acknowledge that holistic health is a thing. Mental emotional health is vital. To our well-being, and it all needs to be incorporated into one thing, and that's why holistic health and wellness—the holistic health and wellness industry—is growing so rapidly right now. It's really just, yeah, it's flourishing, really.
2: What, and what I really like, Dana, is as you know, we talk about Western medicine and Eastern medicine, and we've had lots of guests on and exploring, you know, this the differences in uh, treatment modalities for similar types of uh, illnesses. In terms of, we'll just, for now, we'll just call it mental illness, um, mental injury. Um, I really love how you use the, the title of guide because really what, if we've learned anything from dealing with mental health issues, it's a journey. Uh, and the journey, as other people have said, uh, you never really arrive at the end of the journey. You're always mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. continuing on this journey. And so in many ways, the best way to go on a journey, even if whatever, even if it's a sport, I know you and I had a chance to, to mountain bike uh, this past weekend. And, and I even look at that as a journey where we started the morning with, with our group and, and where we finished. And so it's very important that you have somebody such as yourself, who is a guide, who can take you on that journey. So if you could just talk a little bit more about um, what, what a mental health journey may look like uh, with more of an Eastern medicine slant to it, with, with what you're doing.
1: Yeah, so what I essentially do or what I specialize in is helping people with emotional trauma reconnect to their natural self, express their truth, and then ultimately ascend towards their higher purpose. So I like to build on this energetic awareness. So we are energy. Everything in the universe is energy. That's science, right? And as we go through life, as we go through our own life's journey, our energy can become in It be- can become from trauma, from stress, from, from what have you. So when our energy becomes out of balance, the best way for us to come back into balance is to become aware of that energy and how it works in our, in our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual bodies. So I take people through the chakra system. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but we have essentially these seven major energy centers in our body. They start down at our root, at the base of our spine, and they go up to the top of our head, to our crown. And each energy center has it, plays a different role in your being. It has a purpose, it has a mental, physical, emotional role that it plays in your body. And so the process that I take people through is we start down at the root and it's, it's generally an eight week program. And each week we focus on a different energy center and what we need to do in that area to help you heal and help you balance that energy center. So everyone's journey is different too, right? So it's mm-hmm. not just all very, my earbud fell It's not just all very linear all the time. Sometimes we need to spend more time in a certain energy center. Sometimes we need to spend a couple of weeks or maybe even longer in a certain energy center before we move on to the next one. Um, and through that process, it's, it's very integrated. So we go through content, we go through, how is that chakra functioning in your life right now? How is that energy center working in your life right now? What can we do to balance it? And then I also integrate the modalities that I practice. So Reiki, yoga, and the Akashic records. And I know we haven't talked much about the Akashic records. We can go into that too, if you want. Um, and then people get to pick and choose what really resonates with them. I have some people that really resonate with all they wanna do is Reiki. They, it makes them feel really good they want to just experience that more. So we just do Reiki. I have some people who want to pick and choose like, oh, today I really feel like I wanna move my body, let's do some yoga. Today I feel like I wanna receive Reiki, let's do that. So it's very individualized as well, because again, you are your own healer and you can decide what feels best to you, what works best in your own body.
0: So I have two questions. Uh, one yeah. of them is about the Akashic Records, because I don't know anything about that. And I'm guessing very few of our mm-hmm. listeners and watchers do. The second one is, and these might be easy to answer together or we can keep them separate, is uh-huh. I would love to hear just like what it, you know, and without giving away too many of your trade secrets, but, you know, <laughs> what is the process of when you get a new, um, when you when you get a new patient and, you know, sort of take us through it, you know, not infomercial style, but I'm just interested <laughs> of like how, you know, listening you to Listening to you talk about, and I don't have a huge, deep understanding of chakra and energy healing work, but I feel like I have enough where the stuff you're saying makes sense to me, but I'm also like, oh, I wonder, I wonder, you know, because we all know what it go- it's like when we go to the doctor, right? You get your blood pressure taken, and they, you know, they, they tell me I'm a little too short and a little too chubby, and then I sit down with the doctor and blah, 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 and I'm just wondering if you could take us through a little bit what that kind of initial setup with Dana is like, and then, yeah, I really... I wanna know what the Akashic Records are all about.
1: Yeah, so as far as the process, so my program's called Illumination because that's what we do. We shine a light, we look into your energy centers and we shine light, shed light on on who you are. So with the process of somebody, so not anyone can just come and, and sign up for my program. I do take people through a little bit of an interview process to make sure it's a good fit because it is a commitment. It's a, it's a time commitment, it's a financial commitment, and people need to be ready to explore that. And you you might imagine if somebody signed up for an eight-week program and then they just weren't really that into it or weren't showing up or doing the work, then it would kind of be a, a waste of both of our times, right? Mm-hmm. So I I like to make sure that people are ready for it to go through this process, that they're ready to, to have some shifts in their life. Um, so I, I kind of do a little, you know, just Talk to them about that and and make sure that they're on board and and ready to do that. And then I like to, I get some background on your holistic health. So what's going on with you physically, mentally, emotionally, um, what's going on with your diet right now. So I do a little deeper dive into what's going on with you. And that gives me a good picture of, of where we can start. So I do a little assessment of each chakra. So let's just start with the root chakra. I'll give you an example. So the root chakra is all about grounding balance it's about the earth element it's about our survival that you're meeting all of your basic needs so that you have enough food to drink enough water a, a safe roof over your head that you feel safe and secure that you're safe that you're feeling secure financially so when one of those pieces is is out of the mix that can lead to a lot of anxiety so anxiety worry this feeling of being ungrounded, that is a root chakra issue. So that means we need to come back down to earth. Literally, earth is the element of the root chakra. So we talk about what's going on for you in regard to all those aspects in your life right now and what we can do to help balance that. Does that make sense?
0: It does, but I have to ask you a very pointed question and please be as ridiculous in your answer as the question is. When I hear it described this way, you know, from a psychology and a Western's perspective, like we really think the history of this stuff started basically at the turn of the 20th century, right? You know, we all know a lot of Jung's work, Freud's work. And, you know, and then I hear the description of the root chakra. Now, obviously you're coming at it with a different sensibility than perhaps the people who've been talking about it for thousands of years, but they've been talking about it for thousands of years and it's the same shit,
1: right? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) And uh, the chakras... If you go back to like Psych 101, right, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the chakras are almost each chakra like, almost like in yes. alignment with that. So like, who? I don't know who took from who. I have I have an Wait, idea. Are you are you,
0: <laughs> are you are you saying that Abraham um, Abraham Maslow stole from? No, I'm just kidding. Um, no. It's actually really yeah. interesting. You know, we <laughs> full disclosure to our listeners and watchers. 32 part two is being filmed and recorded after 33. And we actually had a very interesting conversation about Abraham Maslow and his hierarchy of needs. Oh, really? And, yes. yes and one of yesterday. Things, so yesterday, fresh yesterday fresh
2: in her mind, so.
0: yes, with, with <laughs> a guy okay, who works, <laughs> with a guy who works in public health, um, wow, imagine that. Wow. So yeah. one of the things that I find really interesting um, about what you're talking about is, it goes both ways, right? Um, Dr. Maslow actually later in his career discussed that he wished he had done the hierarchy of needs, not as a hierarchy, but as a continuum, mm-hmm. um, because, and you would already sort of like snuck that in there. Cause you talked about the chakras sort of being in alignment, but as you talked about it, I could even see a little resistance in you. Cause it's like, you know, these get met but they don't like you know it's not like I meet this one then I meet this one then I meet this one there is like a cycling through it and it was really I I could see you doing that I was like oh we just (laughs)
1: talked about that yesterday yeah yeah absolutely and I I do want to say I don't again I don't think anyone stole (laughs) information from anybody (laughs) I think it's just like the basic it's the basic human experience right and Maslow tapped into that the Eastern medicine tapped into the chakras and this is how how we evolve. This is how our human development. So I think it's just really natural that all of these different theories have kind of ended up in the same place. Well, they and, make sense. Yeah, they make sense. They make perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> exactly. And then that's the thing with the chakras as well. Like we might be, I might be working with a client and you know, we get to their heart chakra and then it's like, okay, wait, we got to go back down to the sacral. Or <laughs> like, there's, there's still stuff we need to, to finish here. So it's not, it's not completely linear. It's, it's very rare that, you know, it, that we get to spend time, a significant chunk of time in each chakra and really balance each one because we often find there's like work to be done that yeah. other work needs to be moved through. And that's okay. Everyone, everyone's journey looks so different and everyone's journey is what they need. So sometimes there's like this, almost sometimes people get like, oh, I'm spending so much time in, in the route. Like, does everyone have to do this? And it's like, don't worry about it. Like, this is your journey. This is what you need. So that's what I really try to help people. Eric,
2: that does something. that sound familiar? <laughs> uh, yes, but, but that's the very essence of the idea of a journey. Right. And I, I also love how, and it's, you know, Maslow is still fresh in my mind. Obviously, moving into ski season, <laughs> Mark and yeah. I do a lot of uh, teaching with kids. And so Maslow has always been front and center in the, uh, I'm, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but in the teaching world. But I am going to probably steal from you, Dana. And maybe this winter, instead of thinking in terms of Maslow, I may think in terms of, chakras while i'm teaching and and bringing because one of the things i like and this is this is the question i wanted to ask so the idea around anxiety we're going to talk a little bit more about empaths uh throughout this this episode but this whole idea about anxiety and we talked on episode one about returning to nature and so how many of and how many of us that are either experiencing anxiety, or other types of mental health issues, find some sort of peace with nature. What I'm starting to hear, tell me if I'm on the right path here, is the first chakra is, you know, the sacral, as you were saying, and it's grounding and returning to nature. And so typically people with anxiety are experiencing issues with their first chakra. And so there's, I'm guessing now there is no... It's not a coincidence that people with anxiety like us tend to find uh, healing in nature.
1: Yes, absolutely. And there is. So I would say 99% of my clients are empaths. Empaths are drawn to, to the work I do. Empaths just are, that's who comes to see me are, is empathic people. And I oftentimes think like, wow, I can't believe there's so many empaths out there, <laughs> but it's because of the place that I live in. Um, people are drawn, who are empaths are drawn to to more rural areas, to areas where there is easy access to to nature. And um, and I think in, in my own life, you know, when I was young and I was doing a lot of travel nursing and living in all these big cities, it was fun and it was exciting, but it was it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not bashing on city life, but it's chaotic in a city. There's just a lot of stimulation. There's a lot going on. And for an empathic person, that's a lot to absorb. That's a lot to, to experience on your, on your day-to-day life. And there's actually, you know, tools that you can use to, to help yourself through that. But empath empathic people need that connection to nature we need that grounding that support to to help us heal to help us release other people's energy so absolutely being drawn to nature is and and spending time in nature is very healing for for people who are empathic yeah and it's well, very stabilizing for the root chakra as well yeah
0: well and it also makes sense you know <laughs> listening to you talk, I'm sorry to giggle, but I'm just, I have like 20 thoughts going through my head at the same time. But I, 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 in listening to you talk, it's like, well, of course, I, I, I see three things. First thing is yes, like people who are empathic and, and need you know to be connected in nature here. So that's one. Number two, the work that you're doing, you've already stated that there is sort of an interview vetting process. So you need someone who can come to the work, so to speak. Uh, for lack of a better term and then i think in the third and and this will be interesting because i think it'll lead us towards a bit of the conversation of how you sort of live and work as an empath is it probably makes more sense for you to heal people's energy whose energy you it's more similar to yours like you can you know what i mean like i think you know it'd be very interesting you know to go through the process with someone. And I'm not I'm not suggesting you do this, but I'm just saying it'd be interesting to like find someone who's like super resistant to the work and like push it on them to just see like, you know, is there, is there like a crack or whatever? Cause I think about it and we've talked about this a lot. It's all about finding your way. You know, Eric and I constantly throughout this journey, we've talked about in the mental health journey, like we don't care what treatment you use or how it works out as long as it works right you know we've (laughs) we've talked to people who run the gamut from using ayahuasca and mind-altering drugs to help all the way up for people who you know um use eye desensitization work or you know obviously cognitive behavioral therapy is a huge piece of what many people do um we have people who are all about using medications people who are all about not using them you know so I think the inclusivity of it, I think, is very important. I think the other piece is, you know, to honor that space of if you are someone who is going on a journey like this or you have a loved one is, like, don't put more external pressure on it than it needs to have, right? Like, it's important that you're on a self-care journey. It's important that you are um, attending to mental health or mental health issues. And I say those separately because they are separate. I, in my mind people often use self-care and mental health um, care interchangeably. And I think they are, they can be interchangeably used but I think it's important that we talk about them differently. Um, And so I wonder, you know, from your perspective obviously managing yourself as an empath is a huge part of your own mental health journey and self-care, but then how do you sort of utilize it in your work, but in a way that's safe for you? Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think going back to what we talked about at the beginning in knowing that I can't, I can't fix people. I can't make people do anything. (laughs) I can, I'm only in control. My own actions was like huge for me because that, and that takes all of that energy away from me. Like this person is here because they want healing and I can, offer them support, I can offer them direction, I can offer them guidance, I can teach them all these tools. But at the end of the day, it's their responsibility, it's not mine. And that really has helped me stand in my strength and my power as an empath and as a healer. Um, And also, I think that being an empath, again, draws other empathic people To me and people you will resonate with the healer you're supposed to work with right everyone is drawn to the teacher the the healer whoever that they feel a connection with like if somebody comes to see me and they don't feel a connection to me that's okay there's another healer out there for them that that can work with them in the way that they want to work or the way that they want to heal so again you know as i talked about the holistic health and wellness field is is booming it's it's flourishing it's really growing and that's what's so amazing about it is that there's so many options for healers out there and if i really resonate with you awesome like come see me let's let's work together like let's do this i'm i'm so excited to to work with you but if you don't resonate with me then then i'm not then you know, the things that I teach you, the things that I, I offer you are not gonna work. They're not gonna stick. So I think that you need to really hone in on what feel, What do I feel in alignment with? Who, who you know, who do I feel drawn to energetically? And when you're looking for a healer or somebody to work with, yeah.
2: I think what's really cool, and I for our viewers and listeners, they are very familiar with my story. So there's my anxiety, my OCD, depressive tendencies, uh, and the list goes on and on. So what I'm going to, to give people a little bit of insight into how a lot of what Dana is saying resonates with somebody such as myself. So full disclosure, uh, Dana was part of our, uh, we had a, a ride on sunday uh, with uh, a group over in eagle in the eagle valley and dana did uh, an amazing 10-minute guided meditation with our group kind of grounding us before the ride then we went out and rode and i found myself um i was petting trees uh it was kind of funny the person riding behind me so i was petting trees and and then i i rode yesterday And uh, as I was uh, riding one of the trails up on the mountain, I actually found myself thinking about how happy I was to be not just out on the bike, but in the forest, looking around and how peaceful it was. The other thing that's so cool is just now as you were describing the journey and the return to nature and everything else, I found my mind uh, in a good way, wandering, and I had this vision of being in Maui on the beach, uh, the spot that we always go, like exactly where I'd be sitting and just watching kind of the waves come in and thinking about the sea turtles. And um, so I, I'm not just making all this up. <laughs> I I find, and, and we all know like uh, s- severe anxiety. And so, but there is for me, that piece of nature. And on the other side of that, Mark knows this very well. I, I haven't, I've been back to New York city, I think twice since we moved 10 years ago. Uh, I actually find significant PTSD just in the thought when I think about New York, I can go to Boston. Um, obviously it's where I grew up, uh, Denver, we've driven through, but I haven't really spent much time there, but just the idea uh when, when, when NYC even pops into my head, the thoughts, it takes me back to a, a, a time in my life uh, where you know, I wasn't very healthy and uh, both physically and mentally. Uh, so this whole nature thing and grounding, it's it's resonating tremendously with me uh, and it, it was happening before. But since you and I have met, <laughs> uh, it's I, I've. I'm finding it's becoming even deeper.
1: Yes, yes, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what you're, yeah, what you're doing is you're finding what, again, what resonates with you, what helps you regulate yourself. So coming into nature just calms your energy. It brings you back, literally, physically brings you back down to earth. And you're just feeling how good that feels and you're doing it right like we just get wrapped up in in the day-to-day and our busy lives and and all of these things that we have to do and we kind of have this tendency to push those things away those things that really help us and in just taking those small moments throughout your ride or even just now like letting your mind go to that place on the beach like that's beautiful. That is amazing. And yeah, you're, you're helping calm yourself. You're helping regulate yourself. And that's what we need to do more of.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting because I, yeah, so I lived in New York city as well, you know, grew up near Boston and I have, um, whether it was self-taught or it's just part of it. I, I noticed that how I interact with the world changes completely. So I've lived in Colorado now for 18 years. I I spend time in the back country. I go backpacking. I do things like this and that. But, you know, it's not like it was when I lived in New York, I would go on two and three week trips, retreats, like gone. And, and I think I was like banking it, so to speak. You know, I, I was that guy Saturday in Central Park, like in a pair of shorts, rolling around in the grass, you know, like, (laughs) you know, just trying to find any way to reconnect. And like, I look back on it and You know, it was an incredibly creative and interesting and exciting part of my life. But without thinking about it, I found different ways to try to reconnect with nature and sort of align my energy. And the one thing that I've actually been sort of tapping back into is it was a very prolific creative part of my life. I wrote and wrote a lot more music and did things then. But I think part of that was a way to either shed or redirect the energy that I was taking from everything around me where I'll be honest, in Colorado, I'm a little like, yeah, I could just hang out. Everything's fine, you know, and, and and I'm not proposing one is better than the other. I'm certainly healthier physically and mentally now, but I also have the experience where I wonder if I went back to New York or with living in an environment like that, would I take the time and the place to care for myself in the same way or, you know, would I lose track of it? And so it makes me think a lot about your work because so much of it to me sounds like finding and discovering that path for each individual of how that kind of mixes and and I want to know about the akashic records
1: oh yeah cuz I,
0: yes. I know I know like I know like this much I've heard of them I know what they are and I'll be honest like full cynic like the first time I heard it, I was like, "We're reading souls. What, what? 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 are we doing over here?" So, it's like full, I, I
2: want, I... full Lord of the Rings now. We're go. We're on the oh, journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're on the journey, <laughs> and now we're searching for the Akashic records. My
1: precious, yeah. my precious. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love the Akashic records. They have been profoundly healing for me. Um, so, the word Akasha in Sanskrit means ether. Or space. So the Akashic Records is that from which everything has come. So before the Big Bang Theory, there was space, there was ether, there was Akasha. So the Akashic Records are a way for us to access our energetic record, our, our, the, inner, the energetic imprint of our soul. So it's our soul's journey. It's everything that has ever happened in the past, it's anything that's happening right now, it's any potential outcome in the future. So it, they're not like a book or like a scroll you read through. It's um, an energetic download that that you receive. It's I don't like to describe it in this way, but this kind of helps people understand it. Sometimes it's like an intuitive reading, but at a at a really at a higher level. Essentially, it gives you this universal perspective of your life and everything that's connected to it. So, well, I
0: was going to say by higher level, you don't mean necessarily higher within the person, but like kind of 30,000 foot view of like the world and where you fit in it and things like am I correct and, and
1: yes and it's also your highest self so um, the information is coming from from your essentially your spirit guides your guides or source or or God or universe or life whatever the word that you use to describe you know this this higher energy that a higher power. Um, that's where the information is coming from. So I go through a little meditation to op- when I'm working with a person to open their record. And then a lot of times information comes through right away. Like when I'm giving Reiki to somebody, sometimes I'll get information. Sometimes I'll see images, I'll see colors that correspond to the chakras. Um, and I just, I get like a download of information. And the Akashic records is more, It's a little more direct because Reiki is very physical as well. It's physical, mental, and emotional. The Akashic Records is very, um, and it can be all of those things as well, but the Akashic Records tends to be like more direct. People have the opportunity to ask questions and, you know, I'll share what answers come through. So it's, um, it can be a very, very healing process, depending on how deep you want to go into it. It helps to remove the ego. So a lot of times yeah, we we have this like self-centered focus on our lives. Like this person's doing this to me and I can't do this in my job because this person's holding me back or whatever. And yeah, that might be true, but at the same time, like how can we look from an outsider's perspective and see multiple perspectives? on, on the, that situation, right? And
0: uh, I just can't help, and please, listeners, watchers, Dana, I don't mean this in any way. I'm trying to think of how to say this, but it literally everything you said is, it really sounds like you're just helping people get out of their own goddamn way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <That laughs> <is. laughs>
2: I'm like, I'm sitting here,
0: and I was like, I, was like I, don't, I guess I'll just say it, and if it's terrible, we'll cut it later, or Dana will be like, you are offensive and you're a jerk and i can't believe you say but literally and 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 i say this as part of my own personal journey because there have been times in therapy or in dealing with things where it's like literally the only person who's stopping this from happening is me yes. and and <laughs> oh, you know to the listeners and watchers out there i just challenge <laughs> us all to like when we find those situations well, and, and i'll be honest i one of my huge pet peeves and it seems to be becoming more and more prevalent in our society is our internalization of victimization. I, I you know, it's two kind of big words, but everyone, everything happens to them, right? You, you you, have friends like this, you love them dearly. You don't understand what their problem is, but every day you say, how was your day today? And, and, and they're like, oh my God, can you believe? Or, the, and, and I don't have time for that shit. I just don't. I mean, and you even heard me sort of bitching pre-call Dana and whose fault was it it's mine right like I and I'm not saying like I'm out there like flogging myself martyring like self-flagellate but I know that 90 percent of what happens or that I don't feel control of I know it's me that's a big deal though like the people listening out here I, I guarantee I challenge you to look at a situation that you feel victimized by and ask yourself the question what could I have done differently now, if you are being abused, assaulted, it, that is not what I'm talking about. I just want to be, you know, full clear because my mom was actually a, uh, a family and substance abuse counselor. And sometimes she's like, you're a little too direct. And it's very difficult sometimes for people who are in a true victim situation to hear that. So I'm just couching that out there. But if you feel like the barista wronged you this morning when you were getting your morning coffee, I'm going to ask you to look inward and ask yourself, were you the dick first? I'm just going to ask you that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And what you said, Mark, is really true. We get in our own way, like 99% of the time. We are our biggest critic. We, no one judges ourselves. No one judges you more than you judge yourself. And that, that's a big part of the Akashic Records is helping you look outside of yourself and see, you know, how we are all connected. A big part of the Akashic Records is unity consciousness, like seeing how we are all one truly and how my actions are the way that I am, you know, carrying myself in life, the things that I'm doing in life, the way that I'm thinking, how that might be affecting other people and vice versa. So it's, It's seeing this universal perspective of your life and knowing that we are in control of our own actions. And if somebody doesn't want to change, they're not ready to change, or if they are doing something that you find offensive or hurtful or whatever, then that is within them. That's not for you to fix. But at the same time, we can like show that person like some compassion or some empathy. So something amazing.
2: Uh, the, Go ahead, Eric. I was just say something else I'm hearing is, uh, and it's funny because we've taken this podcast journey now, right? So when this airs, we will have probably been 10 or 11 months into our podcast and hearing similar themes and similar words. But what I'm hearing, Dana, uh, is also in order to take this journey and be guided by you on the journey, uh, is this whole idea of a willingness to become vulnerable.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I like the way that you express that, that, and that's totally true and spot on and yeah, you have to, I, I, I do work with people who just want to stay on that surface level and, um, and that's fine. That's where you're at. That's if you're not ready for, you know, a big, a bigger shift to go through some deeper healing, that's okay. It all comes in time. And, you know, when you're ready, you're ready. But to truly experience like a transformation, uh, a, a real shift in your life, true healing, you need to go a little bit deeper, and that requires some vulnerability. Absolutely,
0: and you have to want to do it. Yeah, you know, um, one of our earlier guests, Ben Marbach, who struggled with addiction, you know, he talked about the cost of staying the same and the pain of staying the same had to be more and the cost of change. And, you know, hearing you say that, it's like, there needs to be a sense or a realization or a need for it, right? And, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, I'd like my life to be better. It's like, so would everyone. Um, And I I have to be honest, when we're done here, as we're getting close to wrapping up, I'm going to run away. and, And, you know, I've been thinking about this, like, Eastern versus Western modalities and the different thought processes, and listening to you talk about the Akashic Records and this sort of overall thing. I can't help but think about Jung's work and talk of the collective unconscious. And now I'm like, yeah. has somebody written a book or thought about like how those two things are either related, intertwined, like had Jung been exposed to some of this work and and used it? Like I just, I'm literally like light bulbs are popping hearing yeah. some of this Eastern work and how some of the base basis of our thoughts in Western psychiatric and psychological help are sort of in line with uh Mm -hmm. you know obviously the language is very different but i i can't help but hear some of the similarities
1: Mm -hmm. there are similarities and i think that the akashic records are sometimes called different things some people are able that are you know very intuitive very as some people say psychic are able to just access they're already up there. They're already <laughs> not up there, but they're already like <laughs> accessing that, that information. And the Akashic Records really gave me this grounding and support to allow the information to come in and trust that what I was receiving, that what I was hearing, that what I was seeing was was accurate. Um, and that, you know, that goes back to kind of my Reiki journey. In the beginning, we might have talked about this a little bit in the first episode, but um, in the beginning, when I was actually like, feeling and experiencing this energy, there was part of me that didn't trust it. That was like, oh, what if my brain is just making this up? Or or like, what if I tell this person that I saw this and then I'm wrong? And now I'm to the point where I'm like, I don't care. Like, this is the information that I'm receiving. This is and what I'm going yeah. to tell This
0: is what <laughs> I have, I'm wrong, right? well, I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Or, well, and they call it practicing medicine for a reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> <There
1: you go>. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes people will be like, I'll tell somebody Oh, this information came through and I'll share it with them. And they're like, that doesn't really resonate, or I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And then a month later, I hear from them and they're like, Remember what you told me? It was so true. And blah, 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 blah. This all this stuff happened and and whatever. So it's like now when I'm giving Reiki, when I'm doing the Akashic Records, information comes through, and this is what I'm meant to share with you. And you can take it or leave it if it resonates with you, awesome. Maybe it doesn't make sense now, but it'll make sense later. So yeah.
0: Or are you ready to hear it, right? You know, know, even the most committed practitioner with you is ready to take every step. Like, if it is something that is a big shift or is going to change things, you know, that can be really hard. You know, I can remember, you know, when dealing with the grief of my dad passing, it was, I mean, I knew I wasn't right, but I was like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to grief. And then it got to the point where it was like, enough people who cared about me were like you're not you like go do something you know and I was like I'm fine Uh, uh." and then I'm like no actually I'm not fine you know and and you know trying to maintain that feeling of it and you know it's look I think it can be so hard to hear different things and you know there's probably somebody listening out there right now who's like yes the mind body spirit all these things i've never heard it this way and then there's somebody else sitting there like what 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 <laughs> we're gonna just like shoot energy through me like you know and and to, to both ends of the spectrum i say give it a shot you know like whatever yeah, yeah. you know whatever you can find in you and and learn about it you know you might read a book and be like oh oh or vice versa you know and and i just yeah. It's been so cool and I cannot, Dana, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time on two different occasions to listen to our two ignorant dudes just, you know, ask him stupid questions and wonder. Yeah.
2: There is, there's there's something else I want to, if, if we spend oh, yeah, time, time, that I want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. this whole, uh, a little bit more on the empath piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think maybe we could even think in terms of, Globally, we've gone through, we're still going through uh, this collective trauma. And so what I'm curious about is a little bit about what's happening in terms of impacts now you know, Uh being able to set boundaries. And especially if we have this collective trauma taking place in the world around the pandemic, how that might be impacting people who are empaths and some things they might be able to do uh, to protect themselves. I know you've talked about this a little bit to protect Mm -hmm. themselves uh, around what's happening in the world.
1: Yeah, so it's been so interesting in my work pre-COVID when I would come, I didn't come across empaths as frequently But when I did, it was kind of this like victimhood mentality, like uh, I hate being an empath. It's so horrible. Like I just feel people's energy all the time. And then after COVID, people empaths are coming out of the woodwork. (laughs) Like they're just like, I'm feeling energy. What's going on? Like explain this to me. And so it's really more of an acceptance and awareness that is that there's just a higher awareness right now. There's just been this huge energetic shift ever since the pandemic and people are starting to seek these things out. They're starting to say like, this isn't weird or crazy. Like this is a real thing. And so just overall in general, empaths are really coming into a higher awareness of who they are and through that, there is a need for us to heal because for so long we've been suppressing it. We've been holding it down or avoiding it. And um, I think we might've talked about this before, Eric, you and I, but do you guys know what the opposite of an empath is?
2: Narcissist, no?
1: Yes, yes, oh, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah, I was actually trying to
0: decide if it was narcissist or a sociopath would be as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. So when you think of like a narcissist, you don't have to answer this question, but think of narcissists have a tendency in our culture to be in power, right? They're the not all the time, absolutely, but they run companies. They they run you know they they run a lot of things in our world, and so it's almost like the rise of the impacts. Like what this world needs, what we all need is more empathy, a more understanding of of our own emotions, of our own feelings, and how our thoughts, feelings, and actions affect other people. And that's what an empath does, that's what an empath is. So I really see this time as an opportunity for empaths to come and stand in their power and their strength. And so things that empaths can do to help themselves is, number one, self-care is paramount, is huge. Coming back to nature, resting, listen to yourself when you need to rest and, and, and just recuperate and allowing yourself that time and space to rest. And there's something that's called shielding, shielding where you actually like create an energetic bubble around yourself to block out negative energy. And I, and I believe that that can be helpful in a lot of situations. But the thing that I'm feeling more in alignment with these days is just standing in your power and your strength. So when somebody else's energy comes at you, instead of being like, oh, God, I feel their energy, like, and contracting, being like, I feel that that's not mine, boom, like, bye bye. See ya. <laughs> like, leave, right? So I feel and I did that forever. I did that for so long. I was like, oh, that energy feels bad. Like, oh, get me away from this person. And so instead of letting that affect me and, and hold me down and debilitating me. It's like, no, that does it's like, I think of Dirty Dancing. <laughs>
0: this is why <my>, I'm <laughs> actually going, yeah, this is your space, this is my space, and I'm going full Star Wars. I'm like, episode 32, part two, Dana Girl, the rise of the empaths. <laughs> the
1: oh my god! <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, I love
0: it. That is so amazing. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to leave it, Dana. So I'm going to wrap this up and, and I'm going to paraphrase probably very poorly what you just said, but the world needs more kindness and empathy, but I'm going to actually shift it just a bit. We all need it for ourselves. And and I, I'm i speaking from my own place and my own power um, and what you were talking about earlier about how quickly and how uh, how cruelly we often judge ourselves. I am the most guilty of that. And um, and I'm going to take that challenge from you to try to be, have more empathy and more forgiveness and more compassion and understanding for myself. Um, and I've noticed as I do that better, I'm way better at doing it for others. So
1: yes.
0: um, I think we should all take that challenge from you.
1: Oh, I love that! Thank you. That was beautiful.
0: <laughs> you said it. I just you know kind of I, I restated in dude speak, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that counts as mansplaining, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I think no, mansplaining okay. and dude speak are two different things. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Well, we'll have to like get into the nitty-gritty of, of uh of navigating that. Um and hopefully it won't end up on any bang language banned language lists. Oh yeah. um, <laughs>
2: yeah. don't get me started on that again.
0: We're not gonna talk about that today. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not. <laughs> so Dana, um, I cannot thank you enough. And uh, please, let's, re- just in case people didn't get to the end of part one and skipped ahead, or um, where could we find you if they need you?
1: Yes, if you want to learn more about the services I offer about my illumination program, please head to my website, d a n a k n e r l D-A-N-A-K-N-E-R-L.com. And I do group versions. I do private illumination programs I also do a group version and the next group version is starting October 18th but this will have already been aired so or not aired till later but um the next one will be starting in the new year so probably the first or second week of January 2022 so um I'd love to have you join me on a healing journey on your healing journey
2: that's amazing Eric any last words uh it's not the last you're gonna see of me, Dana. Well you already know. <laughs> we've been, that sounded like a threat. No. He's <laughs> <No.
0: laughs> like a bad penny. He just keeps turning up, Dana.
2: <laughs> but uh, yo, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to uh, I look forward to taking a journey with you.
1: Oh uh, I would love
2: to have you. Yes. <laughs> It
0: It is absolutely my pleasure, as it always is. Dana, I can't thank you enough, and your kindness, grace, and your willingness to guide two very dark, cynical idiots down a path of trying to understand what you do. I really appreciate that. And it's probably more of a testament to our stubbornness and thickness that it had to be two episodes versus yours. And I'm just (laughs) going to... I'm probably judging myself cruelly, but I'm going to take that on, okay? And uh, I cannot thank you enough uh, on behalf of my partner, Eric DeRosa, myself, Mark Fernandes, From Survivor to Thriver, Episode 32, Part 2. I'll leave us with these words, as I always do. Let's all please be as well as we can.